Well, it's really good to be with you guys, and I appreciate you inviting me to uh, participate in your meeting, and uh, we enjoy coming down here. We've been friends with Kevin for a long, long time, and we consider him to be family, and uh, uh, he's like an uncle to our kids, and uh, we enjoy coming down here and eating seafood. And uh, Anna Maria Island is our favorite place to go, so it's just a joy every time we can be down here. So, uh, as Kevin was talking about, uh, it's a daunting task uh, to have a topic like this. You know, deity of Christ, I mean, how long can you talk on that? Long, long time. And so, I, su I, I suppose uh, all of the speakers, and this is the way it always is for me, uh, occasions like this, you just try to figure out how do you fit into this whole thing and, and uh, uh, you know, what major direction do you need to go. And so I looked at the flyer and, uh, and, and, and the very last phrase says, if we truly want to be saved. And so I took that to say that, that in speaking of the deity of Christ, and there's a lot of ways you can go in about 45 minutes or something like that. And I said, well, I'm going to take it the direction that it's going to help all of us in our daily lives toward salvation. There's, there's a lot of different things people say about Jesus. There's a lot of different fundamental beliefs about Jesus, who He was, and whether or not He was divine, whether or not He was deity, whether or not He was God or not. Uh, some say that we can't know the Jesus of the first century. Some say that He was uh, a good man and a, a teacher. Some say He was a prophet or a sage, nothing more. Some think that He was one of these eons. That's the Gnostics. Just one of many that God has sent into the world to show us how to get to Him. And Jesus and Christianity is just one of many ways to get there. Some people say He's a created being and He's not divine. Some say that He's God, Christ, the Son of God, divine deity. There's a lot of confusion in the world. And what that shows us is that Satan has done a good job. Tonight we're going to be talking about Jesus... And I've got just a few of many. Uh, I did a lesson uh, some years ago that was about the real Jesus. This was the first slide of nine of who the real Jesus is. And I, I picked this one because these, many of these, point to the deity of Jesus Christ. That He claimed to be the I Am. And that's what God said of Himself, I am who I am, that shows His deity, almighty, eternal Father, power of God, holy and true, word, wisdom of God, image of God, mighty God, God great God and Savior, holy one, creator, word of God, light of the world. And if we're going to believe in Jesus, Jesus says, I am divine. Then that's what we're going to believe. And when we believe that, it makes a big difference regarding our life, our service, and our 
respect toward Jesus in regards to salvation. If you'll allow me just a little time, I want to take, I want to take and just look at uh, some uh, doctrinal teaching from the Bible regarding the deity of Jesus. Then we're going to make some application of that. I want to go over to John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. Throughout this lesson tonight, we're going to occasionally talk about Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the mother of current present-day denominationalism in a large degree. They're the ones that came out with, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. No, that wasn't Martin Luther or John Calvin. That was hundreds of years earlier, and that was the Gnostics that came up with that. They also believed that there were many eons, as they're called by the Gnostics, many ways to get to God, and Jesus is just one of many. Well, John, in particularly, fought this doctrine. You remember in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 4, he talks about the Antichrist, those who are against Christ. Those who do not believe that he came in the flesh. And these are the Gnostics. Now, G, now John, in beginning, the, the very beginning of his, this gospel, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... Now, the English translations do not translate the definite article here, which is the word the. But if it were, it would say that he... He, the Word was the God. John is proclaiming the deity of Jesus Christ from the very beginning. And as you go through the gospel of who Jesus was, what Jesus did, all the many things that He did, proving that He's the Son of God. John is making the point as Christians, as people, we must believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, when we get later in the lesson and come to the application of this, we're going to come back to this chapter. As a matter of fact, we're going to close the lesson out with this chapter as we look at what the point that he's bringing forth as he gets down to verses 13 and 14. For right now, though, I want to go to Philippians Oh, excuse me, got ahead of myself. Philippians chapter 2 is still up there on the PowerPoint. Philippians chapter 2, and this is the Apostle Paul. Now, not really, uh, not in the book of Philippians, but the Apostle Paul, in particularly Colossians and Ephesians, is refuting Gnostic doctrine. We'll look at that a little bit in Colossians. But also in this epistle, in Philippians chapter 2, in verses 6 and 7, Speaking of Jesus uh, and the, His example of this attitude we are to have, that Jesus had, who, although He existed in the form of God. I mean, that's just a plain as day. That Jesus existed in the form of God. Let me ask you this. Who exists in the form of God but God? Who can exist in the form of God but God? The deity of Jesus Christ. He says, furthermore, in verse 6, I'll begin the beginning of the verse, who, although he existed in the form of God, 
did not regard, New American Standard, equality with God. Now, who can be equal to God but God? <laughs> you see, the deity of Jesus Christ. In, uh, and then verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Now, over in Colossians chapter 2, oh, excuse me, I keep getting ahead of myself. Colossians chapter 2. Now here, Paul is vigorously refuting Gnosticism. And in doing so, as the Gnostics, the Gnostics didn't believe in the deity of Jesus. They didn't think that he was terribly anyone more important than many others God had sent into the world to bring people to God. And in refuting Gnosticism, Paul is making the point of the deity of Christ and that there's only one way to get to God, and that's Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 9, Colossians 2, 9, For in Him, that's Jesus Christ, all the fullness... Now the word translated... Fullness is pleroma, which is one of the key words, one of the buzz, buzz words of Gnosticism. That it is the ultimate state of spirituality that man can obtain here upon the earth. And they believed that you had to have some sort of secret knowledge to obtain to this, and that they were the few that could get there. By the way, uh, New Age religion today comes from Gnosticism. And I've got a little bit more information about that as we get into the application section of the lesson tonight. But verse 9, For in Him all the fullness, pleroma, the, the absolute spiritual state that anyone could ever have in relation to God, for in Jesus, in Him, all the fullness of deity, New American Standard, dwells in bodily form, and in Him we're made complete. And what Paul is saying here is all the essence of deity is in Jesus Christ. You know, when you talk about Jesus, He is divine. He is divine. Now, I want to back up just a little bit, and I don't have these verses up there, but just within the context here, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, because, because Paul, in this part of the epistle, is making the case, is laying the groundwork for the deity of Jesus. In verse, chapter 1, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. In other words, the image of God. Who can be the image of God but God? Can man, can any man be the image of God? Absolutely not. Can an angel be the image of God? Absolutely not. John falls down to worship an angel in the book of Revelation. He says, hey, get up from there. I'm just, I'm just a servant of God just like you. You must be God to be the image of God. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Then verses 16 and 17. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. 
that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of everything. That He has the power of deity. That He is the invisible image of God. That He is the creator and sustainer of everything. Verse 18, He's the head of the church. In verse 19, Colossians 1, 19, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness, that's pleroma, probably the one key buzzword of Gnosticism, the fullness. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Everything that is divine dwells in Jesus Christ. And the only way man can have a connection to this, only way, is through and in Jesus Christ. Now I want to move on, and again we'll talk a little bit more about this in the application section. I don't want to talk just a minute about Jesus being Lord. And when I say Lord, I mean Lord in the sense of God. I don't mean Lord in the sense of a master to a slave. I don't mean Lord in, in some comparison of an employer to an employee. I mean Lord as in God. The word Lord, Bynes Dictionary, signifies having power or authority. Jesus has all religiously Power and authority. You remember Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's got it all. You remember Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. And, and Peter there says that salvation is in no other name but Jesus Christ. It is in no one else. No other name under heaven by which men must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. He is the only one who has the authority and has the power to save anybody. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord, having power and authority. Oops, I, sorry, I keep doing that. I got the verses right there. Acts 2.36 now. Acts 2.36. As God, as deity, Jesus is Lord. That's the point that we're making. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 36... Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. That Jesus is the Lord. That Jesus has this authority. That, that the Father has given him this authority as Lord, religiously as Lord. Romans chapter 1, and verse 14. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. Excuse me, verse 4. Romans 1, 4. Who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. And you'll remember Jesus said, look, the Father has given me authority to lay down my life and to take it back up. Jesus Christ is Lord and His resurrection to rise from the dead shows His authority and His power. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 36, Acts chapter 10 and verse 36, 
Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is the one religiously, spiritually, has authority and power we worship. Jesus is the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. But sanctify Christ as Lord. Well, what's Peter talking about here? Sanctify, set apart. Sanctify, set Jesus Christ apart in your heart to be just some everyday guy? No. To, to, to be somebody that was just sort of uh, created by God to do something and that was it? No. Sanctify Jesus to be just one guys of a gazillion guys that God sent down here to show them how to get to heaven? No. But as the Lord. And finally, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him, obey him, religiously, spiritually, obey him as Lord, the one with authority and power, to those have, those have eternal salvation. Now I want to talk about king now, because you see in the sequence of things, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is deity, God, divine. The Bible teaches us that He's Lord. He has authority and power. And the Bible also teaches us that He is King. Now, probably for us in our discussion tonight, this aspect of being King may be a little bit more important for our discussion tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15. There the Bible tells us that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. 1 Timothy 6.15, which He will bring about at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord as God. Now you think about that for just a second. And you say King and Lord, and what does that have to do with us? And you think about our salvation, you think about our service to God, you think about being the church of Jesus Christ, the church that He died for. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. This is Philip in Samaria. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And so what was he preaching? He was preaching the good news about what? The kingdom. Now what does the kingdom have to do with the king? The kingdom 
is the king's domain. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is Lord with authority and power. Jesus is king and Jesus has a kingdom. And the good news that's being preached is about this kingdom and it's about the name of Jesus Christ. And what does that phrase mean, the name of Jesus Christ? It denotes His authority. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Sometimes I use the illustration from the old shows when I was a young fellow. The, the, the policeman would say, stop in the name of the law. What does that mean? Well, what, what authority did the policeman have to command somebody to stop? It was the law. The good news being preached about the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, and when those people at Samaria heard that, verse 12, they did what? They were baptized. And that's really where we're getting here with this. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord with authority of power. Jesus is a king. Jesus has a kingdom. And if you believe Jesus is God and Lord and king and has a kingdom, if you believe that, what are you going to do? That's the point. And if you don't believe that, what are you not going to do? In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, now remember, if I know we're covering a lot here. I'm laying down lots of doctrinal verses here. Remember, if you can, what we've already said from the book of Colossians. And Paul is, is, is throughout this epistle, epistle is, is refuting the, 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 the doctrine of Gnosticism. He's also, a little bit later in the epistle, is... He's refuting the doctrine of those who would take Judaism and mix, them, mix that with some Christianity to create their own denominations or other religions. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, speaking of Jesus Christ, for He rescued us from the domain of darkness, New American Standard, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. When we are saved from our sins, when we believe that Jesus is God the Lord and, and the King and has a kingdom, we believe that and we're baptized, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, we are rescued from the domain of darkness, from the domain of Satan. And I know it's translated a little bit differently in some, of the other, in some translations. New American Standard, we are transferred. If, if, if you can imagine, I'll give you an example. I was at a friend's house in Thomasville. They had a swimming pool in the backyard, and they had a little dog. The dog jumped into the swimming pool. The dog started getting tired and tired and tired, and it started sinking, started sinking, and quite honestly, the dog was going to drown. My friend said, grab that dog. I, wrenched, I reached in there and I grabbed that dog out of the swimming pool and transferred the dog onto dry land. What would have happened to the dog if I, if I wouldn't have been there to save it? We know what would have happened. That's what the Lord does for us when we believe Jesus is God and Lord and King and the good news of the kingdom and the, and the name of Jesus Christ. He transfers us out of the domain of darkness where we're going to die in our sins and he 
sets us in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you believe Jesus is God and Lord with the authority and power and king with a kingdom, if you believe that, then you obey him and that is what happens. You become part of that kingdom. It gets better. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. And I'm not going to tell you that I understand this completely. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. Here in this part of the book of Revelation is talking about the, the, the loosing of the seven, loosening of the seven seals and beginning in verse 9, the song that was, was sang, that Jesus was worthy because the end of verse 9, He purchased with God, with His own blood, every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Now that's talking about us today as Christians. Because we believe that Jesus is God, that He is Lord with the authority and the power, that He is a king, that He is a kingdom. We're part of that kingdom, and because He is reigning over the nations of the world, Guess who gets to reign with him because we're part of his kingdom? That's us. That's us. And it all goes back to the fact that Jesus is divine. That he is deity. It all goes back to that. Now I want to talk about some, just a little bit of application in our last little bit of time we have. God lets everybody decide. God lets everybody decide. God allows each person upon the face of the earth either to receive Jesus Christ as God, Lord, and King and to be part of that kingdom. He lets every person decide. And I decided a long time ago it's not my job to take that right away from anybody. If they want to decide not to believe in Jesus Christ, God's allowed them to make that decision. I'd like to convince them otherwise if, I, if it's possible. I'd like to show them the Word of God. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. The parable of the landowner in Matthew chapter 21. And you remember the story that the, that the landowner had a land that was kept in some... some, some, uh, some some people that would take care of it for him and everything. And he sent his son. And they rejected his son. They killed his son. They were punished because of that. And a little bit later in that passage, they look, I want to take the kingdom away and give it to somebody else that's worthy of it. And it's talking about the Jews. Hey, I sent my son to you. You rejected my son. You killed my son. You'll be punished. Matthew 24, speaking of Jesus prophesying of the destruction of Jerusalem. And I'll give it to somebody else. And it was. Don't answer out loud, but if I was to ask you, who is the most influential spiritual teacher upon the face of the earth today, who would you say? Don't answer out loud. The most influential that people listen to statistically upon the face of the earth more than anybody else. Oprah Winfrey. Surprise? 
She's got her own religion. She uses her TV show to teach religion. I've got a clip. I didn't bring the clip with me. If you ever want to see, just you can, you can get on YouTube. Where she tells the people in her audience, there's many ways to get to God. Jesus is just one of them. And she explains why there has to be many ways to get there. And one lady, she, she defends the truth of the gospel. And Oprah is not very kind to her. Not very kind. In a piece by Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, it's reported that 33% of Americans listen to Oprah as their spiritual advisor over their preacher. 33%. Oprah teaches that there's many paths to get to God. She says there couldn't just possibly be one way to God because of people who are living in remote portions of the earth who have never heard of Jesus. She teaches a new earth web she teaches new earth web classes that she learned from a fellow named Tolly, T O L L E from his book Awareness and the power that is concealed within the present moment. The ultimate purpose of human existence, which is to say, your purpose is to bring that power into the world. Oprah teaches a new age religion based on Gnosticism. Gnosticism and New Age religion and Oprah do not believe that Jesus is the one, the only way. He is not divine. He is not deity. He is not God. He is just one of many. The Gnostics call it eons, A-E-O-N, eons, that God sent into the world. If you want to turn your Bibles with me, I want to go over to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Just remind us of a couple of things. As we turn over there, I want to remind you of Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God. That's not what Oprah says. I quoted to you what Oprah says. What is the power of God? The gospel. The power of God to everyone who believes. The Jew first, also the Greek. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Paul here is writing to these brethren. He says in verse 13, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, I can't tell you how that exactly works. I believe it works because God says it works. They accepted the Word of God, the, the Word that He preached for what it really was. And, and, and it was the Word of God that performs its work in those who believe. Oprah will tell you there's a lot of things out there. You want to listen to any of these other things? Fine. It is the Word of God. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 of those who would scoff at the Word of God, and there are many out there besides Oprah. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. People like Oprah, 
And the lady says and says, well, the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And scoffs at that. That's foolishness. Don't you know anything, you stupid? She didn't say that. But that was innuendo. I'm smarter than you because can't you see there's got to be many. The Word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Oprah, her religion, and religions like her are representative of the newest, newest religious movements today called the emerging church movements or the emerging consciousness movement. The emerging church movement is in churches' denominations throughout our country. The emerging consciousness movement is in the New Age religions. Feelings over truth, that's a whole nother thing in itself. It's about the feelings. It's about what you feel. It's not about the truth. As a matter of fact, the truth doesn't matter. If it feels good, do it. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. If you think it's right, it's right. Feelings over truth. Experience over reason. Finally, I want to talk just for a moment and go back to John chapter 1, and conclude the lesson over there. As really, it's, I mean, it's just, it just gets down to the fact, do you believe Jesus Christ is deity, that He's divine, that He's God? Exactly as is said in the Word of God, do you, do you believe that? That's what it gets down to. And if we believe that, that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, we've got to be part of that kingdom then we'll obey His Word, and we'll be saved. I want to go to verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. There are many in the world that will say, well, then all you got to do is say a prayer of faith. Jesus, I receive you into my life. That's all you got to do. I want us to notice that the word receive here in verse 12 is to receive as the authority of our life. And doesn't that make perfect sense? Because verse 1, as we've already noticed tonight, verse 1 in the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was the God. If we believe in the deity of Jesus, the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is God, and we receive Him as God, what are we going to do? In verses, verse 3, All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. Receive Him as God and Creator of all that is. In verses 4 through 9, In Him was life, and the life was the light. Gnostics, not, the Gnostics talk about light all the time. And they're talking about all these lights that have come from God, and all these eons that have come from God, and all these paths to God. And John is saying, no no, no. 
There's one way. There's one Lord. And that's Jesus Christ. He talks about that verses 4 through 9. And then verse 12, as we already read, but as many as receive Him to them, He gives the right to become children of God. We receive Him as the authority of our life, as God and our Creator, and the one and the only light from God. We're given the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Remember the name means the authority. He's Lord, has authority, has power. We receive that as the authority for our life. Verse 13, Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To be born again. I would be remiss if I did not turn over to John chapter 3 and verse 5 and just mention as Jesus talks to Nicodemus and Jesus, and Jesus says to him in verse 3, John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Right there it is. John 1, 13. We're given the right to be children of God, to be born again of God. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom, kingdom, kingdom of the king, kingdom of God. Nicodemus wants to know how he can get into his mother's womb again. Verse 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Be born of water and spirits. And enter into the kingdom of God. And I would be remiss if I didn't draw our attention to the very first recorded gospel sermon the day the church began on Pentecost. And people ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, water, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Born of water and spirits. If we receive Jesus Christ to be the authority of our life as God, our Lord, and our King, that's a lesson. And I hope it's been profitable for you. It's a lot to try to get in in one night. But I wanted to particularly stress what that means to you and I. Our salvation, our life as the children of God in the kingdom of Jesus Christ is all based upon the fact that Jesus Christ is divine. And that's where we stake our hope. That's where we have our trust is in Jesus Christ. We'll extend the gospel invitation tonight and we're going to sing number 194. When we all get to heaven. What a glorious day. What a grand day that will be. The book of Revelation in chapter 22 talks about the fact that we are there with the Lord forevermore. 
that we are there at the throne with the Lord forevermore. And we'll see Him face to face. We'll see our God, our Lord, and our King. Are you part of that kingdom today? Are you a child of God today? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as being divine, deity, God? Have you obeyed His commands? What has He asked us to do? Simply to believe that He is the person He claimed to be, the one with all authority, power and authority in heaven and on earth. To repent of our sins, just to change from doing those things or contrary to His will, to live according to His will. To, be, to make our confession that who we believe that He is, the Son of God, and to obey His command to be, command, to be baptized for remission of our sins. We'll extend the gospel invitation. If we can help you at all this evening, won't you step to the front as we stand and sing.